really what I learned is be able to stop. You mm. there's a there's a you know with with all the notions of hustle culture and and just even feeling like you need to keep up you know i i need to be relevant on youtube i got to release a video every day or every week or whatever you you stop you stop thinking about what you're doing That was from my conversation with actor, filmmaker, and content creator, Raj Jawa. Raj has been involved in the acting scene in movies, sketch shows, commercials, and more for over a decade. Raj and I had a very candid conversation about the love of creating and how that intersects with trying to make a living through that creating. Raj talks about what inspires him to continue overcoming challenges that are both internal and external. This is one of the more wide-ranging and open discussions I've had with a guest, and I absolutely loved it, so I'm really excited to share it. Again, as always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Raj Jawa, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Really excited to have you on, uh, Raj. You have a, a very long career in... I don't know if the right term is filmmaking because uh, it's not exclusively film, right? Like you're in films, you're in TV shows, sketches. You've got a YouTube channel that has an enormous variety of content. So you've really just kind of kind of been all over the place with it. So I, I, I obviously we'll talk a lot about your career and things, but I want to just know, do you remember like what was the first TV show movie that that you were hooked on? I mean, I don't want to say even fell in love with because it doesn't have to be that you know, <laughs> pretentious, but just. Sure. I mean, you know, I think I have to say what was most formative for me or the, the, the one that was stuck with me the most uh, was I love Lucy just because I, I watched it a lot as a kid. And, you know, I'm not saying like, Hey, let's go, let's, let's go watch it. And it's going to be timeless and we're going to laugh <laughs> and it's going to be great. I did actually rewatch an episode and it's still good, but there's so much that it, comedy has moved so far beyond. I love Lucy. But what was interesting about it as I started to grow up and as I was, you know, watching other things and 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 learning about film, I realized that formula was essentially just being rehashed over and over. I mean, that's so Raven on Disney Channel, for instance, is almost a direct copy of many of the plot lines. I think they even had the the famous candy type scene that that show borrowed so much from i love lucy and i think that's that would be the case in a lot of sitcoms yeah it makes me i mean it's not entirely a parallel here probably but it, it makes me think there's a south park episode from you know 15 years ago or something now a long time ago but where the kids are constantly trying to come up with an idea for what they're going to do and then it's just constantly interrupted with simpsons already did it because the simpsons yeah. already have an episode that's just that premise but but same kind of deal that you're talking about where it's absolutely like, yeah absolutely Absolutely. I mean that that was definitely one that that sticks with me, and and I I mean it may even be because we we share the same birthday, Lucio Ball and I. We we had the same uh, birthday, which which was cool to learn. Yeah, I don't know that that show was good, but I mean I I have a lot of there's a lot of 
things that really that I've I've watched and kind of resonated with Tim and Eric in terms of comedy as well mm. is another one because that's I mean you got I Love Lucy and you got Tim and Eric those are like <laughs> two different worlds but like that show really showed me the potential of just complete absurdist comedy and you then you have Eric Andre and other shows that have done it and shows before that like Human Giant The State was pretty absurd there was some pretty great great comedy for a long time so when I say I love Lucy I'm not saying like yeah the golden age of sitcom is here and we're gonna we're gonna all watch you know uh, whatever Kevin Smith uh, Kevin James is doing these days but right. yeah I think there's there's something about the classics like I Love Lucy and then the complete like departure from that that is the the absurdist comedies and the the what do you call adult swim comedies right yeah I feel like I missed out because I never I never saw the Tim and Eric awesome show I heard about it but when it was on I didn't have access to the Cartoon Network so right and, the internet wasn't what it is today. So it wasn't easy to just like look something up and, and watch it or whatever. But I feel like it would have been right up my alley. Uh, there was a, do you, are, are you familiar with, I'm sure you've heard of them, but I don't know how familiar you are with the band tool. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. So they, the, the lead singer of tool is a guy named Maynard and he, he made a movie called or a documentary, I guess called blood into wine, where he talks about how he, he runs this winery out in Arizona in parallel with being, you know, in tool or whatever. And in part of that documentary, he gets interviewed by Tim and Eric from the Tim and Eric Awesome Show or whatever. And it's a really, they're, they're really dismissive of him. And, you know, he's this like celebrity and they, they don't care at all. And yeah, it was hilarious. And I was like, man, that's my brand, right? Like I, right. I would love those guys. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Something else that's funny, I mean, I grew up, Seinfeld was huge yeah. for me when I was a kid, right? But what's funny is when I've gone back you know, many years later after having a huge gap in time from watching it, a lot of the memories I have of Seinfeld, I'm like, oh man, this thing happened. And then there's another episode where this thing happened. All of that actually happened in like four episodes in like right. two of the seasons. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It is very true. I think Simpsons is that way a lot as well. There's uh, a lot of fond memories of Simpsons and I, I've watched them all like just kind of while as I'm doing work, Simpsons and Family Guy and, and all those shows. And yeah, I think it is true. The the real classic moments, the ones that really stick in your memory, they're they're fewer and far between than than the whole like it's a long running series, you know. It can't every moment can't be a, an amazing. It can't be a masterpiece every moment. Right. Well, and I think in my head I was like, "Oh, I watched Seinfeld throughout my whole childhood." But really, I watched it for a couple of years because I was too young to get it probably you know, before those last few seasons. And then right as I kind of came of an age where I could understand it, it ended. So <laughs> absolutely. I think too, maybe it was, I love Lucy and, and Seinfeld. They both kind of stuck with the kind of pure sitcom. I mean, Seinfeld, they kind of did a little bit more risque, but I think things today have gotten so much more nuanced and so much mm -hmm. more like, it's not just a surface level, even like the movie Shrek, which by no means is like, ah, but it, they they hit you with a lot of adult humor in that movie that you probably wouldn't get as a kid. But if you go back and watch it, it's like, oh, wow, I can actually still enjoy this kind of mainstream uh, movie. But it's like, wow, OK. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, there's one scene that always stuck out to me in the first Shrek where the little king or whatever he is is jumping on this giant horse. And they're like, oh, he's compensating for something. Yeah. And as a kid, you're like, yeah, he's compensating for his height. Right. But as an adult, it's like, oh, 
you know, <laughs> that's not what they're talking about. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. So, so yeah, you've, you know, you've been interested. Are you, a lot of the work that you do and certainly not all of it, but a lot of it is, is comedy. Have you ever done stand up comedy or anything like that? Or what are you, what's your background in that comedy space? It's pretty much been relegated to like sketches. I've done mm-hmm. stand up once at a, at an open mic, like a very, we're talking like, this is a place where people go and practice. And it was, it was rough. I, I kind of don't think I, I think I realized that it wasn't, that wasn't my style of comedy. I think if I could embrace it and if I really worked at it, I'm sure I could embrace it. But I, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a better doorway to, to whatever we, you know, your career path, then there's kind of like, I'm going to be an actor and do things. And, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's kind of a hard nut to crack when you really have to show a, a marketability to Hollywood. You know, I, I kind of enjoy the pure artistic passion. I mean, I, I enjoy financial compensation as much as the next guy too, but I, I do enjoy the artistic pursuit of film. And the further you go, the less you kind of feel that and see that. And I don't even mean further as in like, like you go, go up levels, like the longer you're here, the more you're just, you, I think you become cynical and kind of, you know, I, I, not to seem like I'm changing topics, but like no. Hollywood's Hollywood's a bit like a, you know, the audience loves the illusion of the movies and what the movies make us feel and how the music all interacts and all the pieces coming together. That's for the audience. But when you work in film, you kind of see everything that's not yet. You're not supposed to see, which mm. is kind of the ugly business side of it. The attitudes, maybe on set, offset executives, whatever, it, you know, I've, I've never been like in high executive places, but there's a there's a film is a business as as much as or even more so than than a lot of lot of businesses i think it has the veneer of a pure artistic pursuit mm. but the real nitty-gritty of it is a is a you know capitalistic enterprise you know and and more power to that but i think the arts kind of goes by the wayside in many ways at least that's been my my thought process on it yeah, I mean, no, I, I think that, the, and I think to for me at least, and I'm not in film at all, so I don't mean to, to <laughs> align myself with you, like, but I think that it also speaks to the, the very first thing we were talking about there, which is the the kind of rehashing of things, like every movie that comes out or, and, you know, I, I'm a big fan, this isn't film related, but I'm a big fan of, of video games too, and like, storylines, plot lines, whatever that I saw when I was a teenager or a kid that were like, wow, that's so cool. Well, now fast forward 15 years and I've seen that play out over and over and over. And it's like, how, who is this for? And I guess maybe the answer is young people who haven't seen that yet. Right. <laughs> I don't know. No, yeah, it, it's true. It is, it is true. It, it is, you know, I guess that's part of getting old is, is how much you realize you're attached to things that are kind of moving with you in the timeline, but they're not staying relevant. You know, it's like, this is, this is Bob Hope. He's so relevant, obviously, (laughs) but, but like, he's not moving with, he's moving with the timeline with you, but he's not, he's not in the mainstay mindset, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be Bob Hope. You got Johnny Carson, even Lucille Ball. A lot of these, these figures, these major, major people of the past footnotes, if, if that to younger generations. 
Yeah, I was watching it. I don't even remember who it was, but I was watching some clip of the a Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and whoever his guest was did a perfect Johnny Carson impression. And then right after he did it, one of them was like, probably most of the audience has no idea who that impression <laughs> even was. Right. right. And it, he's not wrong. I mean, I remember watching Johnny Carson's last episode when I was like five or six years old. I, you know, it was a big deal on the news. And so I asked if I could stay up and watch it. I didn't really mean anything to me because I was too young to have had a relationship with it, but I'm 37. So that was a long time ago, <laughs> but he retired. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It, I mean, so that's uh, something I was thinking about earlier. The way that it seems like it used to be was that, and again, I'm complete layman here, but like there's these gatekeepers and the challenges, like, can you get a gatekeeper to even give you a chance? And if you can't, then it kind of doesn't matter what you do because they're the ones that have all the control. And now it seems like it's a lot, and I'm sure those gatekeepers are still there in, in like Hollywood as an example, but things like YouTube and, and whatever open it up more. But then the problem becomes like the gatekeepers are now like algorithms that you can't, <laughs> there's no way you could, you can't like meet someone that knows the algorithm. Like you could maybe someone that knows the executive or, or something. Does that make sense at all? Is that true? Oh, oh I mean, I, I, as far as I know, I agree. Like, I mean, to, to speak on your point of algorithms, like if you have a problem with, with Google and, and YouTube or whatever, for instance, like, I really don't think you're talking to a person anytime you're sending a message to support because I mean, and if you are, they're basically copy and pasting a boilerplate response. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, And it's the same when I, you know, I was working as an Uber driver for a long time and it's the same way, whether you're a driver or a customer, it's the same customer support. It doesn't, there, there are no, there's, there's no, they don't treat you any better because you're driving for them. You know, it, Honestly, the business model of Uber is both sides of the transaction are the customer of Uber. You can think of it as, you know, oh, Uber's taking a small commission, whatever, whatever. But I mean, the way they have it set up is the driver pays Uber, the customer pays Uber, and Uber has no employees. I mean, that's essentially how they're set up. I'm, you know, I'm no legal expert, but that's the way it seems, that's the way it comes off in any kind of reporting or anytime they're trying to abstain from any kind of like employment benefits. Yeah. So I, I mean, I agree with you that it is, I think the problem with, I think it's great. I, I, I agree that YouTube and, and all the other platforms have democratized that kind of content creation and making findability a little more, I guess, pulled away from these gatekeepers, the the, the common, uh, the traditional gatekeepers. But but you're right, they they do come back in other ways, whether they be algorithms. There's always going to be a gatekeeper, whether it's 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 you know sometimes the gatekeeper is just someone with better content, you know, that you can't get out there and and reach an audience or reach people for whatever reason, you know, it's uh. It's a tough game. That that's the problem. It's and I think especially after after you know the pandemic, people have been more more akin to my you know let's let's follow our dreams and and you know be creators. And that I, as again as an artist, I have no no qualms with that. I think I think we should all be artists, honestly. And I think you know we all you know my dad, for instance, is an artist of his business craft. But like I think we should all be following our passions. But it's hard when we're all also subject to all the 
physical world constraints, you know, financial. It's a tough world for for anyone who's trying to be a creative person. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And, and you're right that it does democratize it, but it also, <laughs> there's, I, I mean, for lack of a better way to say it, there's just so much bullshit everywhere and it's so impossible to sift through it <laughs> because there's so many layers to it. Like PewDiePie, which I don't know what his numbers are now. I'm sure they're still through the roof. Sure. But like a big part of his rise to stardom and I'm, I, PewDiePie was the first thing I ever watched where I actually felt old, where I was like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I'm not mad at it or something, but like, this is absolutely not for me. And it's massively popular. But a big part of what drove his popularity on YouTube was like, he lived in a bunch of different countries. And so that he's getting views from these different countries. And so then the algorithm puts him on the front, you know what I mean? And it's like, it ha- that has nothing to do with him being chosen as the best one. You know what I mean? But everyone, sure. and I don't mean you, but it just in yeah. general, there's this, this idea that it's like, well, you know, the, the cream rises at the top and it's like, eh, kind of. <laughs> I, I absolutely, you know what I think it is. And you know, I don't want to, you know, eh, well, fuck it. I, you know, I, <laughs> I think that it, the problem with democratization is it it becomes just like it's like high school it's like anything you know the popular people rule whether they're popular because of they're you know they're more attractive they they already have money so people you know go toward them because they can do these like i mean assume i I don't know pewdiepie's situation but i'm assuming he lived in all those places because he has money to live in all those places you know and that Mm -hmm. that's interesting to people and you can't fault people for being interested in that but that's not something every creator can do. I've always been kind of the indie garage creator, the kind of, you know, trying to find low budget. I mean, this mic is 50 bucks. Like I'm just trying to find, you know, quality things that aren't going to also break the bank. I've always tried to, to be frugal with my pursuits, you know, as they're not lucrative, you know, I'm trying to keep it under, under budget essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. So to go back to your your story a bit as a, as a kid, so is your family anyone in your family involved in in this kind of work at all, or did they did they support this even when you when you started out in it, or how, what was that like? There wasn't really anyone in my family that did creative pursuits. My dad came from from India in the eighties, kind of you know worked odd odd jobs as an immigrant. Really didn't speak English that well, and eventually saved up enough money to start a start a business, an Indian grocery store and restaurant. And that's that's been kind of his thing, his passion for forever. He's kind of he worked at a really young age in India with his with his father, my grandfather, and yeah, his his kind of passion became or is work in a way. He doesn't really have a lot of hobbies. He's kind of a bit unbalanced, I would say, but, but it, it works for him. And then my mom is, is, was, uh, she helps him with the business and she, she's from here. So I'm kind of a mixed, mixed, uh, half Indian, half, half white person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get all the benefits or, or none of the benefits. I'm not sure which one it is. Sure. Right. Yeah, I was I was thinking recently. I follow a a much a much cooler Indian guy on Twitter, and I'm like, God damn it! I didn't get the cool whiteness or the cool Indian. Like I have no, <laughs> I I got none of it. <laughs> I that's fair. That's funny. Um, yeah, it, 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 and this is again non sequitur to 
to that to some extent. But have you ever seen on Netflix? I think it's still there. It was years ago, at least. But it, it's a documentary called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. I've definitely heard of it. I, I okay. think I've seen promos, but I've never watched it. Oh, man. It's I mean, it's it, it, again, it has nothing to do with creativity, <laughs> really. But it, it made me think of when you were talking about your dad and how singularly focused he is on his business because Jiro Dreams of Sushi Jiro is like a 90 year old man who doesn't like holidays because he doesn't want to not he doesn't want to skip a day of making sushi and he literally dreams up new recipes which is why it's called Jiro Dreams of Sushi because that's how he comes up with new ideas for his business but really really there there's a beauty in that singular focus or at least there can be I don't mean to you know paint no. a broad brush over every circumstance no absolutely i i actually agree with you because i i'd mentioned earlier i kind of jumped out of nowhere but it came to mind at that moment about my dad being an artist in in business he you can tell he's following at least it, my perception is he's he's doing exactly what he wants to be doing you can see his his energy and his his fire in him when he's he's either you know he i think he'll often create problems like needing to rearrange the store or something just because it's something he wants. He wants to be energized and passionate about it. He has a vision for it and he wants to execute it. You know, for, for me, like I've, you know, obviously I've known him my entire life. And, you know, for me that never like rubbed off. He's always like, Oh, you know, business, it'll, it'll just, it'll just come to you. And I don't, it, I don't think it ever did in this, in the same way he embodies it. I, I don't know your family at all. And I've literally just met you tonight. So I definitely don't mean to like tell you how you are or something, but sure. I don't know. In, in the brief moment, this brief time, I would say that you're a pretty diligent person yourself. Like the persistence that you have in, in doing the work that you do. And I don't say this to flatter you, but it's pretty remarkable. So he might've had more of an influence on you than, <laughs> than it would seem because it's not the same kind of work. Right. Sure. That, that, I mean, that's possible. I, I thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that I, 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 yeah, I agree. He, he definitely has instilled the, the work ethic for sure. Yeah. Well, so you talked about, you know, you, you had the early sitcoms and things like that, that you fell in love with and, and then your family's not really in this space. So when did you decide that you wanted to start or how that, that you wanted to make sketches or, you know, even if it wasn't movies, but how did you get into this? Um, I had, I mean, I guess like many people in, in college and high school, I really didn't know what I was planning on, on doing. The family business was obviously there and I didn't like that and I didn't want anything to do with that really. So I, I definitely wanted to get away from that. And it wasn't until college, I, I started taking some film classes. I'd done like dumb videos with my friends kind of tim and eric -y, even though i hadn't seen tim and eric at the time i think talking like 2008 or something mm. probably right around when the show started but i didn't actually watch it until much much later but they they'd wanted to go in those classes the the people i'd work with and they actually all all fell out of that and fell out of love i guess with that or went on to do uh, normal people things. And I just kept diving deeper into it, being more interested in it and just kind of following it aimlessly, I'd suppose, because I didn't, mm. I didn't quite, you know, I got a education in film that was a little, I guess, unstructured would be the mm. word, I suppose, because the film school uh, or where I went, I went, I went to film school at community college. So I had some really, really great teachers, but there was no 
like unified message of like, here's how you get a job in the industry. Mm. So it was really, there was a focus on the artistry, which, you know, what I enjoyed, you know, my, my, the, the, I guess the advanced film teacher was, uh, was a graduate of Cal arts. So there's definitely a, a bias towards pretension. I'll just say it. It's, you know, Cal arts is a bit of a pretentious school, but, <laughs> but there is definitely a, a desire to be a consummate artist as well. And, mm-hmm. and I, res- I respect that for sure. But then when I went to uh, university at, at, you know, Cal state Northridge, it was the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, so listen, you guys are never going to get gross. You're probably never going to work as a director. Like they were just kind of like, basically like, Hey, all the dreams you have, let's temper them right now. Like, (laughs) and, and you know what? I have to say that's probably fair because this is a pursuit that it's not going to, it's not, you're going to have to want it because it's so easy to become unmotivated or demotivated because you're just you're not getting pats on the back you're not like it's 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 a tough it's a tough game and and a and a vicious one because you know films especially as a filmmaker films are expensive to make you know i there's there's the notion and and the i guess the off film that you know oh, it was filmed on an iphone and you know got all this praise but those are those are kind of few and far between i think for every one of those that made it i'm sure there are 40 or 50 that or more that didn't uh, didn't quite pop just because it's all marketing it's all who can who can get that conversation going and who can make people want to engage yeah so that was it's funny you say that because that was something i had i had written down to ask you uh at some point but but yeah i mean I I have my own conclusion, but so before I share it, I'll ask you your own thought too. But is it true that marketing is is vastly more important than the quote unquote quality of the content that that is being marketed? I mean, in in my I guess also technically layman position, I would say I would say yes. I would say, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say that's the norm. Like bad films are constantly promoted and pushed. But you know, media is something that these industries, I guess every industry, knows they need to cultivate and and have like in their in their pocket it's i think it's a it's a symbiotic relationship because the writers need things to write about and the the pr firms the the whoever needs things to write about you know i when i opened a a small production company you know we got a little bit of press coverage from people my india west specifically is an indian newspaper that has covered my family's business before had they never covered my family's business before would we have gotten that coverage would they have even listened to us not sure Right. Not, but I think it's safe to say that it helped that they, we had a cultivated relationship with, I guess, a media partner. So I do think that it all helps. I don't think that's, that doesn't make, that doesn't create conversions or customers, as it were, but it does certainly help exposure. Yeah. Yeah. The conclusion I came to recently when thinking about this is that you, when I say you, I don't mean you, Raj, but I the should. general you, a person, right? <laughs> a person either figures out how to market whatever it is that they want to earn from, or 
they work for someone else who figured out how to do it for whatever they had. And it seems I can't, I haven't been able to, to come up with a scenario where that's not true yet. It seems like marketing is like the ultimate thing. And marketing means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Like marketing can mean commercials or ads, right? But it's also to some extent just like, hey, have you heard about this? Like, hey, do you know about this? It's just spreading. It's just communicating the existence of something. I kind of hate it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's my conclusion. I don't like my conclusion, but I can't I can't out, outthink it yet. You know, I'm not I, real smart though, so it's probably okay. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's it's. I mean, I hope it's partly a a factor of the times. Although, I don't know if they're going to get better. It seems like we're going to go further in this direction. But you know, one one it was a simple sentence. I forget where exactly I read it. Somewhere not it was innocuous. It it wasn't it wasn't something that was major, but I I just read it like offhandedly, and it was uh, that every company it needs to be a media company, and that statement really resonated with me because I'm like, okay, so that means as an actor or creator, not only am I competing with everybody that jumped on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, but the concept that every media company also needs to create content and and compete in that space i realized like oh i need to i think i need to back away from this for a little bit because what that's you know you're talking multi-millions billions of dollars of money in some cases you know how do you how do you rise above that and you know the answer in you know i guess say a pure environment is be better just offer <laughs> something better and yeah. and that's that's great that's a great thought but the reality is it's it's hard and i think it's only getting harder because because of that reality because every company every being every entity um needs to essentially perform and mm-hmm. you know whether it's a, a funny tweet or, you know, an Instagram photo that's going to be provocative or something where we're performing all these puppet string pulls, essentially, to, to get like, you know, like me and, and, you know, like this post and follow my things. And, you know, like even even something, you know, and again, I, I can't fault people, human nature, but like when you see when a a post goes viral on Twitter. There's always the subsequent comment post. It's like, oh, this went Twitter. Follow my stuff at like, and it's like, wow, like this is the kind of like, I don't know, dog eat dog world. They're like kind of everybody grabbing this moment yeah. we've created. So yeah, I I don't know. Like I I also like a lot of anti-authoritarian and whatever type films. So this kind of dystopian worldview kind of fits in with my paradigm of, of how I see the world, but I'm not saying that's not saying it's not true. Um, <laughs> right. No, but I, yeah, I, there's a lot, I, you know, there's a lot to love about the world, but I think there's also a lot to look, look critically and look negatively at as well, just because of kind of the commercialization or the consumerization of, of everything. Yeah, I think I agree with with that sentiment. That's something else. You know, I, I watched a documentary on Netflix last fall called "The Social Dilemma." Have you seen this? I haven't, but I did hear about its release. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's it primarily features a lot of interviews with people who were in 
development of Gmail, which I didn't even think about as being like something with addictive properties, but, <laughs> but Gmail and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, the big social media platforms and about how when they built it, they didn't know what the outcomes were going to be. Certainly like they weren't trying to build something that makes teenagers, you know, want to hurt themselves because they didn't sure. get enough likes, you know, that wasn't right. the goal, but they were making, trying to make something that holds your attention for as long as it can. And, and, but I think the majority of people think of social media as like a utility or like a tool that we have access to right. when it's like, it's actually a profit motivated company right. <laughs> exclusively that sells ads. That's their business. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too dark, but like two of the, two of the examples that, that kind of most illustrate that for me is, you know, any, anyone who is, who's gotten kind of sucked into like an idle, uh, minor app, like app game, because those are quite mindless and brainless. And, you know, I, no hate on video games, obviously love video games, but I, I don't see a lot of value in those or I, I watched the video on the the original the cookie clicker like what like again not created for insidious purposes but like what human nature I guess kind of turns them into is is a bit is a bit dark I forget oh I guess the the second example was TikTok and now by extension a uh, YouTube shorts and again I'm not I, I think it's they're they are a great utility and tool and obviously very popular that's why they're being copied everywhere but I've seen people get into just like they're just watching video after video and they're not even good in many cases and it's just yeah. like why why are you sitting you're like laying in bed and just watching short videos you know or TikToks or whatever it's the same it's the same concept and I I like I'm not saying I'm 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 perfect and I don't do anything that if I would look back at myself and be like why are you doing that but just like right. I f I feel like it feels like that character in those dystopian movies it's like why is why are you all doing this like what <laughs> like what what is what is the gain of this like how how am I the only person that sees this and I, I know I'm not the only person but it, it's odd like I. I guess in the same way, I'm not as susceptible to, you know, the marketing practices that they're kind of cracking down on or the gamification, but, you know, Robin Hood with the confetti and stuff when you purchase stocks. Like for me, that's just like, oh, you know, ah, you know, that was it, unnecessary UI, but like, you know, at least it's whatever, colorful, but I get it. People are, I don't, there's something in the brain that triggers. It's like, whoa, like, you know, I like this feeling and not that it's conscious. I guess it's the same with people who, you know, get addicted to gambling on slot machines or any kind of, any kind of uh, vice or any kind of thing that could become potentially an object of obsession. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. hundred percent agree, agree with that. And well, and, and so I, I've tried to think back to like, where does the the information skewing start? And and maybe that's when people started talking to each other however long ago people came about. Sure. That might be the answer. But I think that it, certainly like when television comes out and the answer to get television to everyone is like, well, we have to make it free. Well, how do we make it free? Well, we make it free with ads. Okay, well, what can ads do? Well, ads can basically lie now like like coca-cola can't say to you like if you drink coca-cola it cures cancer right like they couldn't say that they would get in trouble for that 
but they can imply people who are healthy and successful and enjoying their life at a beach are also enjoying Coca-Cola on a regular basis. And I would actually bet that you'd be hard pressed to find anyone at a beach unless they're mixing it with rum or something having Coca-Cola. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, and, and it's, it seems silly or whatever, but I think it's more insidious than that because it basically carves out this space where we knowingly consume lies and like false information and and everyone just looks the other way on it and it and and again it's how we pay for a ton of stuff that we have happening how social media works right absolutely absolutely no uh, it is it is it it is a it is a crazy kind of i guess system we we've built upon yeah um but yeah, I mean that that could get way too ethereal. Like I have no idea how we're gonna like. Oh, you know, we'll just I, you know unplug these things and plug it in over here. You're right. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. I, I don't have an answer to be clear. I don't I don't have solutions. I just I can just complain. That's right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm right there with. That's you. my superpower. It, it's, it's like Seinfeld. You know, we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about nothing and you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll be completely honest. I did not anticipate that this is where the conversation would have gone so far. So apologies. Sure. No, not <laughs> at all. Don't rambling no. thing. <laughs> no problem. No problem at all. shifted away from my hatred of, of ads <laughs> and the oppression of marketing. I'm I'm curious, you know, to talk about comedy and and and, and dramas maybe a little bit. Something that I feel like I have identified and I'm curious someone with your level of insight if if this is accurate or not or what your thoughts on it are, but like like Seinfeld I love, right? Or uh, the show Arrested Development is one of my favorite comedy shows of all time versus something like Friends or The Office, which I like Friends okay and I like The Office okay. But Arrested Development and Seinfeld, I mean, Arrested Development, it's in the name literally, but the characters never change, hmm. right? And that's true in The Simpsons. It's true in South Park. Like the characters are static in how they behave and then they're just facing a variety of circumstances. But every episode... Homer is still Homer Simpson or George Costanza is never better than George Costanza from right. the week before. Uh, but so then, and I love those. And then when you get into stuff like the office or friends, they kind of have that like, like in friends, Joey's always the meathead kind of dumb, you know, bimbo guy character, or whatever. But then they also try and build in like these dynamic relationships. And there's this drama with like, you know, these love stories and whatever. And I feel like that's, and it's not because I, I like, I don't like love stories or something. It, it's not about that side of it. It's about like the trying to make the characters evolve. And I feel like maybe in comedy, that's a turnoff. And again, this might be entirely just my subjective taste, which is also fine. Whereas in a drama, like characters staying the same, maybe doesn't make sense. Anyway, does what I've just described <laughs> make any sense at all? And, 
that what do you what do you think about that i mean i think it it seems like it's 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 changed these days i agree that is that is typically the way and more of the comedy i like to watch things where everything's resetting you can also also jump in at any time makes mm-hmm. makes them quite timeless and and enjoyable kind of like a snack i guess you just you pick it up like oh you know i'll watch this episode i don't i don't even have to know necessarily which episode just you know, go to a random file click it oh great this is a good episode right. i think there's been a push to try to make that more i guess make characters more dynamic i feel like i I haven't watched enough louis but i feel like his show and other like shows the kind of drama comedy or or try to tell real stories as it were they do have a little bit more development i don't his character kind of doesn't change so i mean (laughs) because he doesn't change you know he's just a guy right you know but i think there's been a been a push to try to make that more. It's interesting that you say that about Rested Development because it's 100% true. I just didn't think about it because it is a more modern sitcom, but it did definitely embrace the older style of basically just, just having almost the, the one-liner of the show, like the I've made a terrible mistake. That you know That's kind of part and parcel of the fact that it's just essentially using the same story or using the same situations with different characters and, and having them just do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, Arrested Development blew me away. It was the only it's the only time I've watched a show. And Arrested Development though is unique actually because you're right. Like you could watch a Seinfeld episode and you don't have to know anything really about Seinfeld to to maybe enjoy it or South Park or The Simpsons or whatever. Rick and Morty, a modern animation is that way I think too, right? You could just drop into a Rick and Morty episode and get it and you don't have to really know a lot. But with Arrested Development, that might be true. But I, I did watch it from start to finish, and it was one of a, a rare example of a show that has inside jokes with the viewer. Like, if you've watched it all the way through, yeah. there are so many layers of jokes, scene to scene. And if you haven't been paying attention, like, some of them may just you know not be noticed. And it doesn't diminish the experience, probably, but I think it enriches it if you do catch those little references to, to all that stuff. Anyway, I don't know why I'm going on and on about rest of rest of development. No, no, but no, I, I agree. I would actually, I would actually say that's true of Rick and Morty too, because there is so much, mm. uh, there's such a world they've built in the background of that show that I agree. It's totally enjoyable as a, as a pickup show, but I think there's a lot more if you're, if you're actually watching it and, or studying it as it were watching the episodes multiple times. Right. Right. Well, so that brings me to another question I was going to ask you is, and you kind of spoke to this a little bit, I think, before, but having made the the volume of content that you have, is it is it ever hard to kind of take off your content creator hat when you watch a TV show or a movie? Like, is it is it is it hard to just enjoy it as a fan and not be, you know, thinking about it in a critical evaluation kind of way? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, honestly, I think yes. If it's good, mm. like if the element, if nothing is, is, you know, in my opinion, glaring or, or seemingly standing out. Yeah. I think it's very easy to fall into, or for me anyways, to, to fall into the narrative 
of of what i'm seeing i you know i'm i'm still even quite uh emotional for for like dumb moments in movies just because it's just like i you know i can get into that space where it's just like i'm with this movie you know the world only exists in the size of this screen for this moment so i do enjoy that i'm I'm glad i still have that but yeah as soon as the as soon as the movie goes off or if there's like oh maybe i don't like this maybe this is a really generic track they chose or something's wrong then then the the criticisms or or the the i guess the you know, I know better, you know, start to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. I think, I I think that's probably true for anyone in whatever work they do. Right. Like when you see other things, because you just have that level of knowledge about it, it kind of happens. So, I mean, what do you think? And this is a really broad question that probably doesn't have a, a single answer really, but what do you think is the most important element of a good movie is it the plot is it the characters is it the the world that it creates is it the dialogue Uh, what do you think is the most important element and again maybe it's not that binary maybe there's not you can't render it to one thing i don't know sure i'm I'm sure it's it's subjective as well because i think for me i i really like to have my my expectations challenged Mm. I, I really enjoy movies that, you know, it doesn't have to have a twist, but twists are always good. But something that, that really, really just completely mind fucks the, the, the expectation. Did you, have you seen uh, The Good Place? I haven't. Okay, I can't say anything then. But please, please watch The Good Place. Okay. Um, <laughs> because it's in that category. Okay. If you enjoy that type of thing. I, I found it, it, as much as it is classic a sitcom ish is it with Kristen bell yes okay i i I, i'm thinking about what you're talking about then i just wanted to make sure i was tracking go on it 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 has all the it has a lot of hallmarks of classic sitcom but it does go down the development angle Mm. so i would i don't want to say anything more because that that almost feels like too much too so please (laughs) please definitely check it out if if that at all interests you yeah but yes that's that's what i go for so i guess that's plot I suppose I, I, you know, movies like uh, Shutter Island or even even the others with Nicole Kidman or or movies mm. that that really set you up one way and and kind of take you in a different way. But, you know, not in, I you know, there's ways to do that cliche and there's ways to do that good. You know, I remember Memento very fondly, but it's been a yep. while. So I hope it's still as good. I think it probably is. I, I love Mentos, Guy, I love Guy yeah. Pierce, so like it's it's kind yeah. of like ah, oh, you know. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time either, but I I would be hard pressed to believe that I wouldn't still like it a lot. Just be, I mean, beyond and even beyond the the fact that as the viewer you don't know <laughs> where it's going, even though you think you do, it's also just such a wholly unique way to make a movie, right? Like I've just yeah. never seen anything else where I was like, oh, that reminds me of Memento. That's never happened. No, Um. no. Yeah, the only, really the only comparison to, I mean, maybe someone smarter than me can think of something, but the only comparison I can think of to Memento in terms of like timeline shifting is like a David Lynch experience where what Mm. you're seeing is not, it's not, it's either not happening or it's not happening when it's happening. It's, you know, basically you just, you walk out of the film and you have no idea what you just watched, but you, you enjoyed it, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think I share that sentiment. I think that sometimes 
if the twist is like, it's not even, I don't even know if it's really about the twist. Like for example, the earliest big twist phenomenon movie I remember when I was a kid growing up is, is probably the sixth sense, of right? The M night Shyamalan film. And, and that was like, wow, that's really neat how that worked out. But then years later I go and see signs and that didn't resonate with me in the same way. Right. Sure. But I don't know that that's because of the way that, that because like the twist is bad or something, or maybe it just started to feel formulaic because it's like, Oh, it's a Shyamalan film. So that means sure that at the end, something's going to turn on its head and be like, yeah, it wasn't really that. I don't know. Um, and, and then something I think, I think my favorite way to watch a movie, honestly, is if I, so like the good place, I'm, I am going to watch it without looking up anything else because that's honestly the times I'm most energized. Like I remember when I was a kid and I've told this story before, so sorry, longtime listeners. My, I was like a freshman in high school. My mom comes home and she's like, Hey, there's this new movie out that's super popular called the matrix. You want to go see that tonight? And I was like, okay, I don't even know what the word matrix means. And to be clear, I don't actually know that I could provide a good definition <laughs> of day either, but certainly I had no idea what it meant in the context of that film. And that was, that's one of the few times I can remember being in a theater and literally being on the edge of my seat, like actually scooted forward, leaned forward, mouth open, <laughs> just like, what is this? Cause I just, none of those things had ever even, I'd never beyond my imagination. Right. And love those movies to this day because I think because it hit me that way so much, I guess that's an interesting thing maybe is like, how how much does someone love something because of the way that they experienced it the first time? Sure. I mean, I think that's almost the the plot of Lost Highway, David Lynch. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how – is that a movie you're planning on watching or have you watched? I have not, but please go ahead and talk about it. You're welcome. You don't, you don't have to protect me from spoilers okay, the, whole, okay. the whole episode. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's a spoiler, but one of the most famous lines in that movie is the the husband character. The the wife says about the husband to the police is like, he doesn't like cameras. And they're like, well, what's that about? He's like, I, my memory, you know, I have my memory, my own way of remembering things. The way I remember them, not necessarily the way they happened. So there is, there is, I think, a, a desire to have you know fond memories of of a lot of these things, and sometimes you look back and it doesn't add up. You know, we were talking about I Love Lucy earlier, and going back and watching it, it's like, eh, oh yeah, you know. And even <laughs> even you get the the whole like, you know, he's you know you you get the whole like modern day thinking in there. It's like, why is you know would would people be okay with him spanking her this much in this show like? Like, and, and again, you know, let's not, I don't, you know, we could swing the pendulum the other way and say like, oh, look at this kink exposure. Like, great. But, <laughs> but, you know, you get in there, it's just like, eh, you know, I don't know if this is, this isn't very woke, you know, but it's, right. it wasn't supposed to be, you know, is I think, honestly, to think about it, it probably was for the time that right. that challenged a lot um, of standards when that show came out for what, a, what a wife should be and what, you know, what these roles mean. It, it only, when you look at it today, it's like, ah, you know, they're, it's such a misogynistic type relationship. It's like, eh, you know, that was kind of the, the way that was the paradigm then, you know, because we've moved doesn't make Lucy, you know, bad. It's just, she's, you know, the show ever, like everything is a product of, the time period existed, you know, the, the timeline that's moving with Bob Hope, you know, it's, uh, it's carrying, I love Lucy with it. 
Right, right. Yeah, but if you compare it to like the Andy Griffith show, sure. it's edgy now, right? Like, right, <laughs> right, absolutely. But if you compare it to the Chappelle show, then it's maybe not as <laughs> Abs- yeah doesn't doesn't hold up. But yeah, that's that's. I mean, I think that's an excellent point. The the perspective of time and and where you you look at thing, you know, where you want to compare things to, significantly impacts the perspective. So when you when you create things, are you do you find yourself more drawn to comedy work or drama work, or is it is it just kind of a, a project just has to hit you and it doesn't really matter outside of that? I mean, it's definitely that. It's definitely that the project has to hit. I I mm. would love to just like sit down and squeeze things out, but that didn't sound good. But whatever. I <laughs> I I. I I can't, I can't make myself if there's no, if there's no fire there. Yeah. So, so that, that does become difficult because, and you get that thought that like, it's like, well, I can't come up with an idea. I must just suck. Like, like, how is this? Like, you know, it's just something artists have to deal with. I suppose, you know, you, you, you are, have inspiration and sometimes you, you don't. And sometimes you have to go find it. You have to, you have to go explore and, and, learn new things and really what i learned is be able to stop you mm. there's a there's a you know with with all the notions of hustle culture and and just even feeling like you need to keep up you know i i need to be relevant on youtube i got to release a video every day or every week or whatever you you stop you stop thinking about what you're doing and you you stop like you spend all your time, you know, you're, you're editing a, editing a video and then you're thinking about the next video or you got two videos ready to cut. And it's just like, ah, just like, I need to not do this because where, where am I going? You know, I think that that's kind of been where my thought process has been. Cause, cause I have, I have done this for a while and it's been like, mm, you know, what, you know, looking at the metrics, like what, you know, where, where's the best way to keep going, you know? And I think that it, that is a struggle for, for many people, many, many creatives all over, because again, you got, it is, it is a saturated market. It's kind of something everyone wants to be. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting conundrum. This is, this is going to sound so corny, but I, so I listen to rap music when I mow the yard. That's not that's not the corniest part of sure, it. Sure. So the other day I'm listening to to, <laughs> to my gangster rap while I while I mow, and this Nipsey Hustle so- song comes on, and it's not even really a song. It's really I mean, there's music, but he's really talking over it more. But he's talking about how like, you know, he people look at him as this like poised character that that always knew he was going to make it and always whatever. And he was like, I, I went through the same range of emotions that anyone else went through. He's like, the only thing that I never did was I just, I never quit. Right. And so it's like, you hear that kind of messaging and I don't think he's lying or something, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and so you hear that and it's like, Oh, got to dig in. Right. Gotta... <laughs> but, but I think you're also, but I, what you're saying resonates with me. And for me, Certainly in the podcasting space, I, I've had, you know, thoughts like that. But but even in like a couple of years ago, I started working on a, a personal development routine where it's like, well, on a it's not literally seven days a week, but multiple days a week. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to journal and I'm going to 
read and exercise and blah, blah, blah. And it, it, I did, and, and I've been doing it now for a long time, and it's been good. But, like, there was a period earlier this year, actually, where I realized that, like, I had become so interested in maintaining that routine that, like, the routine itself became the goal instead of the routine being something that helps put me in a better place to actually go achieve something <laughs> beyond this actually meaningless routine, right? Sure. But I think that, I don't know, what you were saying just kind of made me think of that, where it's like, like with YouTube, it's like you can get caught up where it's like, I'm making YouTube videos because I make YouTube videos, not I'm making this because it was something that I gave a shit about. Does that does that sound like what you were trying to describe? <laughs> or my uh, yes. Off? No, no, I would agree. Okay. I would agree. It doesn't feel that way when you're when you're doing it until you start getting to this point where it's just like, you know, thing you you're not seeing any, you know, results of of your work and it's just feeling like, eh, you know, what what am I doing? Uh, what am I doing here? But yeah, I I do think there's a there's a feeling of just you you start to lose sight of of why you started doing it because i i realized i was becoming very jaded towards the the artistic side like i was it was seemingly like ah you know there's there's no artistry in this anymore i'll just embrace the the business side and and try to not squeeze out every opportunity but just like that's what i'm going to focus on i'm going to focus on making money but the problem with that is one those jobs are often harder to get because everyone's competing for them and they're not fun you know, right. a lot of times they're not fun. They're, you know, a commercial for a grocery store or something else. And, you know, as much as I, I like to well, like to as much as I wear the title of actor, I, I want to be more selective than just kind of like, hey, just give me a role and I'll do it. Like, you know, it, it, if people are giving me roles, I'll take it. But the point is, I'm not going to after so many auditions of things you don't want to do and then you also don't get the job you're just like why do i keep doing this like i'm just i keep putting myself out there for the opportunity obviously you can't get the opportunity without doing it but after a while you just i think you start to feel like you know a little bit better it's like oh but this is this is a corporate client they're not gonna hire me because i don't look like that and maybe you're wrong maybe that's the one time they do want you but mm-hmm. most of the time you get a feeling of less like okay they're calling me in but it's just like mm, this is not this is very unlikely to turn into something good but you know when you have an agent you can't just be or i feel like you can't just be like nah you know, you're working for me and, and we're both getting paid on me working. So, but nah, no, thank you. I don't want right. to do that opportunity you found for me. Thank you for your hard work, but no, thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I get it. I mean, it's, it, it you know, it, like people will talk about being an actor is like, oh, you want to be on camera or you want to be on stage or wh- whatever term right. you want to use. And it's like, I mean, yeah, that's a part of it. But, but to your point, like, being on camera in a grocery store commercial is not the same as being on camera in an acting role in a movie or a show where I actually get to dig into a character and like put, express myself through it. You know what I mean? Like that's different. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're both on camera on stage, but it's not literally just the fact that there's a camera in the room. That's the exciting part of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, 
I don't want to take away because there was a lot of actors that started in commercials. You know, they're they're getting on YouTube now. All the all the actors, you know, before they were famous in all these you know obscure commercials. You know, so the opportunities were definitely there. But as more and more people get into this industry, it's just getting harder. I you know I'm not saying like the people who made it, you know, in decades past were all just lucky, but as this industry became bigger and bigger, more and more people came in more and more uh, people wanted to compete for the same job. So a lot of people, a lot of people I think did well because they were in a, a burgeoning or a starting industry, you know, the, the first movers advantage in many ways. Right. Right. I think, I think the right. same could be said for YouTube in a way, a lot of people who I'm sure that some people are no longer there, but a lot of people who started in the beginning are the ones who cultivated a following because they were all you could watch. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're 100% right. There's, I mean, I mean, you know, you look at cryptocurrency. Sure. There's a ton of them now, but one of the biggest value propositions for Bitcoin, and I'm not even trying to get into like a deep crypto conversation, I'm not well versed, but is that it's first to market. And it's the one that everyone knows about, right? If right. you talked about cryptocurrency, most people, the very first thing they think about is Bitcoin, right. and that matters. Yeah. It's true in, in the tech space with apps and stuff, like... If you have an app and I have an app idea, it's the same idea, but you recognize like, hey, this might cause teenagers to have suicidal thoughts later. I should figure out how to mitigate that. And I'm like, nah, whatever. Let's just get it to market and then figure it out. I'm first to market, even though I'm not necessarily the better product. Right. 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 So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, to your point about luck, I, I, I'm, I'm with you and I get it. Like it feels it feels cynical to call it luck. Sure. Right. It feels like, oh, well, I'm just hating on their work because it's and you're not wrong about that. I don't think like, I, yeah, there is. Everyone is trying. But like, have you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers by chance? No, I've I've heard him talk a few times, but I'm not, not sure. Oh, yeah, I love him. So in Outliers, he, he goes through and this is a, a weird example, but it's it's one of the most easy, the easiest ones for, for me to, to have grasped, at least is like. If you look at hockey players in Canada, the way it works is you start playing hockey when you're like seven and then, and you're in like the, the junior league or whatever, the youngest kids league that everyone's in. And then the better players from that get pulled up into the next tier, which has better coaching, better equipment, more access. And then that continues on up until people become professional hockey players. Well, if you look, and I'm going to totally misquote the stat now, but it's something like literally like 70% of the professional hockey players are born between January and March. And the reason for that is because when they're, they're seven and eight years older than these little kids, you and I in our 30s, like if I'm three years older than you, it doesn't really mean anything. But when you're eight years old or seven years old and you're nine months older than someone else, you're just physically a lot bigger than they are potentially. Right. And just physically you've matured more. Right. And so <laughs> the kids who get selected for the next tier are just the older kids on the end of the spectrum, because somewhere in the leagues or in the grades, there's a cutoff time. And, and I might be wrong about January to March, but it's some three month window sure. where they're at the very top end of the age and it matters at that age. And then that just kind of carries them through. Now, do they still work? their asses off their whole life to be good at hockey? Yes. Does everyone born in that range become a pro? No. 
but <laughs> the likelihood that you make it if you weren't in that age in that month range significantly less so there is more and again i don't know if luck is the right word but there are more factors than just bootstraps sure. <laughs> which is what our culture wants to sell a lot and it's not just that <laughs> a absolutely i agree with you and i think you know this is something i always uh kind of knew in the industry or at least knew late fairly early on is it's the film industry uh, in particular is an industry of delusion you have to be a bit delusional to think you are going to go up against all these odds and you're going to be the one that is in there. And honestly, I thought that competition was like for Tom Cruise and George Clooney, but really to be part of the game at all, you really have to be something. The, the stars really have to align for you in that moment. And, and they do sometimes I'm not going to sit here and say like they all align for one person at one time, because, you know, I had a, I had a great opportunity, a three line role in the upcoming free guy film. And that was, that was amazing. I, I'm like still quite like, wow. Cause that, that's my, you know, largest role to date. And, and that meant a lot, but nothing really followed that up and maybe something will come from it when the when the film releases maybe but more than likely it's just the same old grind it's the mm. you know oh here comes a stop and shop ad for me to audition for here comes you know the it there's no i think that's the mystery of of how this works because you go people go from obscure to unobscure and the middle part that door is very unclear. I remember watching Kumail Nagiani's stand-up on YouTube and mm -hmm. it, the joke about the new drug called cheese. And I'm like, that's 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 great. I love this guy and, you know, representation for, you know, South Asian people. Great. And then all of a sudden he was on Silicon Valley. Like a, a co-star, I, I guess it's more than co-star. Like, I forget what the roles are now. But uh, he was essentially a star on Silicon Valley. And there's no, like... Nobody's like sitting there like, okay, this is how it happened. You know, he met this person and like, it's just literally, they go from this person to this person. I read, I was reading a YouTube profile, sorry, a Google profile of somebody, one of the TikTok people, I suppose. And the biography was basically, she lip synced a song in 2020, 2021, <laughs> she released an album. I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, how does and again, I'm not I don't know her history. I'm sure she has a singing background and sure. has worked for it for a long time. But the way this biography is written is <laughs> she lip synced and now she has an album. Like what am I supposed to grab from this? Like Right. I should lip sync more songs, I suppose. <laughs> Just lip sync and then magic happens. But I think and I'm not and when I say that it's a uh, it's a delusion. It's it's a self-delusion. You know, no one's no one's sitting there like, you know, be part of this film pyramid scheme guy, you know? We're going to we're going to, you know, take all your money. I'm sure there's some film and acting, you know, coaching whatever classes that are like that, predatory, but it's it's a pure pursuit. But the the pursuit is hard and and you do require that delusion. I think the same thing can be applied to cryptocurrency because you know, the people that are in it, people like you and me, people who follow it, people who watch crypto YouTube channels and, and re get the, the newsletters, 
we live in that world. So for us, it's like, well, we know all the nuance and this and that. For most people, for the majority, they're going to think of cryptocurrency like Xerox. So like you say, Bitcoin is going to be the first to mine. It doesn't matter if they're giving you Ether or or Dogecoin or whatever. They're going to say Bitcoin just like people who take lifts sometimes still call them Ubers. Like tissues or Kleenex, right? Right. Like. <laughs> it just becomes so ubiquitous that it can't. That is just the way the the public conscious goes on it, and I find myself, as I have in film, as I guess I have in cryptocurrency, like the the needing to just like completely back up, and like, what am I looking or like sitting on YouTube and looking at all the finance channel um, thumbnails and how they're all just like basically like buy now or sell now or just like hitting you over the face with everything, and that's YouTube because. You, you need to compete. You need to get me to watch it. But when you, when you do step back and when you do look at it, you're like, wow, this is – what is this? <laughs> it, it feels almost like uh, they live but in a way mm. in, in a way much more, I guess, prevalent because the billboards are so much – you know, there's so more – there's so much – so – there's so many more of them. Mm. You know, they could only put in so many billboards in that film. But, you know, today the billboards are, you know, you got ads on the sidebar. The YouTube thumbnails are all essentially ads for the video. Oh. It, it's it's all marketing. It's all like, how do I and just like the, the services, you know, vidIQ. I think there's another one. They're there to help you get the most views out of your content. Sometimes they're like, well, we don't know how to help you. But, like, you know, I don't know if they know how to help video gamers that want to do their own thing. If you want to be a video gamer and play Minecraft, they can help you. But if you're trying to, I guess, create your own niche, who, who can answer that question? You know? Right. It, it's likability. It's it's high school. It's popularity. It's, it's how... It's that whatever that magical formula is, whether it be money, attractiveness, whatever draws people to other people and then and and not to others, because that is the way it works. Some people are are attractive in terms of they attract people to them and some people right. aren't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's very that's very true. It's, it's definitely it's definitely very complicated to try and understand what makes something go viral right of or course make something work obviously if we if we knew then probably nothing would ever go viral again right like if it <laughs> if we could formulaic make it formulaic then it would no longer be valid because it, it, everyone would do it right so then it wouldn't work anymore You're a very humble person, and again, I don't say that to flatter you, but you have, I mean, I mean, A, you're on IMDb, and you're not on IMDb with, like, one entry. You've got a grip of of 
credits to your name, which is pretty cool. But it's not just all in one. I mean, you've got over 70 entries as an actor, but you're credited as writer, director, producer, editor, all sorts of stuff. Is there any area of it? And, and maybe it, I mean, maybe it's obvious that it's acting since that's what we've been talking about so much. But is there any area of it that you are really drawn to? Is it the acting that you like the most or do you like the behind the scenes stuff? Also, I think it honestly depends. I think I do like the acting the most and I think it's it's twofold. I mean, I like it because it's it's kind of the most respected position on a set, you know, not to not to just give away the game, but like it is it is, you know, the actor is the and I'm not saying like pamper me and bring me special food (laughs) and sparkling water like you don't even need to do any of that. When I was on Free Guy, you know, I got I got a trailer, um, and I was there for five hours. Like they, you know, they didn't need to give me any of this. I've been an extra. We sit on chairs like on set, and people are practically angry at you because you're in the way, even though that's where they told you to sit. Like to say, actor, main actor is probably the most respected, extra mm. least respected. Okay. Uh, probably the full spectrum you you do you you can for sure and again i'm not going to sit here and say like oh you know bad practices in the film industry it's people in film industry are just working are hard working you know a lot of you know grips and and all kinds of people those are the people that you most interact with or most see on a film set so i'm not gonna like they need to treat extras like you know really well you know, everyone's kind of there for the goal, but the higher up in in films you go, the the bigger the productions, the less it starts to feel like, oh, we're a family, we're all in this goal together, and the more it's just like, ah, this is a business. Extras go here, the these people go here. You know, I, I'm in the union, so SAG extras they eat first. It's like, oh my goodness, like, I, and again, this order make sense in the in a hierarchical a hierarchical sense but (laughs) is is that the way we're supposed to be ordered you know in 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 our in our humanity i suppose right are arguable you know it's it's a hard i i have a lot of conflict in 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 the way i i look at the world because i you know i come from a business family i get the business side of it but at the same time, I saw the darkness of business. You know, you see the 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 fights between, you know, family members at home over business. Not about anything personal. It's about business. So it's like, ah, you know, does that make it okay? No. No, it doesn't. But the the kind of pursuit in this way, you lose sight of what's important. I think I think you can really lose sight of of that. And that's what I, I kind of figured in film is, is or where I've kind of reached and and trying to re reequate myself to doing this as a, as an artistic pursuit and and really saying you know fuck all to trying to get likes or trying to like i just want to do pretty much exactly what i want to do do i know what that is at right this moment no i do enjoy or i have enjoyed the the playing of uh, indie games on stream and that's been fun i don't know if i would keep doing the uh, comedy edits as i have been because i i really enjoy what they are but just cost benefit analysis of if it's if it's worth it to to do it or just you know play the game on live stream on twitch and youtube and just leave it like that you know do i have to cut a special funny thing or just kind of be be me you know i feel like there's a there's there's the easy it becomes 
really easy to lose yourself because you feel like you need to you need to get along like i i've been always hesitant to say anything negative in film not because i want to be some negative person but just like you become afraid it's like i, I don't want to i don't want to limit any opportunities by by saying this you know i don't want to you know i, I don't want to hurt people as a personal per as a you know personal thing either but sometimes i've you know i've had strong opinions and in many ways up until you know this moment i felt like I can't say it because, and not, not like I'm trying to be, you know, controversial in what I'm trying to say, but just like having, having an opinion that doesn't, that doesn't jive with, you know, what people like, I, I guess maybe a good example, and I don't want to go too far, too long into this story, but I was having a, I was having a bit of a tiff with a, a rather large production company and, and representation group for, for a film title. And it was only until recently that I felt like I felt comfortable saying, I think this film is shit. You know, I also, I don't like the film for other reasons, but I I was more willing to let my thoughts be known that I, I just don't think this is, this is worthwhile. But there was a time where I would be like, you know, but you know, these people that they're working with, I, I, you know, maybe I want to work with them someday, or maybe they're going to want to work with me. I better just stay quiet. I better not say anything. I better not speak out. And you start to become like, like, oh, what, a, you know, you just part, it's part of the delusion. You're like, ah, oh, this is just the way it goes. You know, I'm part of, I'm part of the system. F film people can be very, and I include myself in this kind of move fast and break things type people. They, they, it's part of that delusion. You get, you get hyped, you get energized by people around you. You're all in this, you're all in this collective goal. You know, I always like the feeling of, of being on set because it's almost like being, I don't know. It's, it's like the ultimate backstage because a lot of times you're going to, maybe you're shooting in someone's office and it's like, well, mm -hmm. these people have to work stupid nine to five jobs, but I get to be film here. You know, I get to feel like I own this place for a few hours and you're like, wow. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But no, no, it, it all makes a lot of sense. I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, I just told this story again recently. So, again, <laughs> apologies for other listeners, but whatever. They're used to it. This is case in point. This is where I am not censoring myself, right? <laughs> just repeating stories sure. endlessly <laughs> in, in the hopes of fame and wealth. But no, like it, it, it really resonated with me, which is why it's on, on top of my mind. And it, it, and it wasn't even recent that I saw it, but at some point I saw this interview with Seth Rogen and he was talking about how with Superbad, when they were writing it, it's like, I mean, it's basically him and his friend's stories from Canadian high school in the late nineties or early two thousands or whenever it is. And when they were writing it, like he couldn't escape the thought of like, no one is going to care about any of this because no one else has this experience of the Canadian high school kid that, you know, in Nowhereville, Canada or whatever. But that actually the more personal they made it and the more that they leaned into the personal stuff, the more it resonated with people. And then later, he I don't think he actually named it in this interview, but he talks about Green Hornet, where they had a lot of studio influence. And the movie's horrible, right? Because it's it's not him or, or them, whoever it is that, you know, his creative team or whatever. But, and I just, I thought that that was a really insightful uh, thing for him to share because it is easy to think like, and this is kind of what I'm talking about with this, this film of, well, film's the wrong word because I don't mean movies, but <laughs> this veneer of bullshit that's everywhere where it's like, 
oh no, we're all polite and we all agree and we all just say things that everyone likes. And it's like, but not really, right? Like no one is really that, no one really thinks that way, but it is so easy to get caught, to get caught thinking like that. Yeah. I I, I just, I was, I guess on another friend's podcast recently where I was talking to, you know, the interview like I'm doing with you right now. Yeah. I have some questions that I wrote myself ahead of time to, to refer to if I need, but really, I just want to talk to you. Like, I just want to have a conversation and that's how I approach interviewing. Well, there's podcasters and, and someone created a, a deck of flashcards of podcast questions to ask. Right. And to me, it's like, ew, you know, and I I've hated on that. And on my friend's podcast, I hated on that. And then right after I hated on it, I said, except if I ever need to work with the guy who made those cards, like it's all love, dude. Like we're, you know, right. like, I immediately retracted and it's like, why? Like, why do so I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I had that in that moment, that same thing. And it's like, but it is what you said too, where it's like, it's because I don't actually hate that guy. And I don't hate people that use those cards. I don't care, frankly, like it's fine if that's what you want to do. But to me, that just feels gross, right? To not have any personal engagement in it and just be like, well, the card said, ask you this question. And you know, like that, I don't know, that's weak. No, Um, no, but I, I definitely, I definitely agree with the, with the sentiment. There's, there's, I mean, I, I can agree with people needing flashcards if that's something they like, oh, I'm nervous or whatever, but I agree. There's a, there's a certain naturalistic, I think, energy and fire when it's really just off the cuff and, and just happening in the, you know, that makes, that's ensures you're actively listening. It's all, it's all good stuff when, when it can be less formatted, I suppose. Well, and and I do just want to make it very clear that that was not an attempt at me to like (laughs) brag about my, Uh I don't have, I'm not, I have not made it as a podcaster and there's probably some motherfucker out there flipping flashcards right next to the checks. So (laughs) I'm, I'm not trying to act like I'm better than or something, but just from the, like, dare I call it the artistic or the creative space, right? Like regardless of financial outcome of it. Sure. Just that 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 part that's you know in your soul or something <laughs> that makes you care. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, th- and that's the hardest thing to to keep going. I think some people can get that supported early on, or you know they keep going and and that gets supported finally in whatever way. But and and you know I'm not talking like I'm the only person who's never made it. You know, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to keep pushing at something for a long time and not feel like you're, you're getting anywhere with it because it's not like a business where, you know, a year or two, you're not getting customers. You realize you have to close up shop because you can't pay the rent. You can't, you know, pay the employees, whatever the situation is, you can no longer sustain this. This one, you can keep the cost low enough that you just keep going. It's just like, ah, you know, it just, you know, I'm doing it. I, I'm I'm doing what I need to. But there's really there's no signs. There's no goalposts. You're basically driving on a dark road with no lights, and hoping, hoping you're you're gonna get somewhere at the end of this road that you can't really see anyways, because there is no roadmap yeah. this, this career at all. Well, and if you get off the road and you're like, okay, you know what? There's no there is no destination. Like I'm out. And then the next day you mow the yard and hear that damn Nipsey Hustle song. And now you're like, oh, I've got to go back to the road. Like, absolutely. you know, like, <laughs> absolutely. It, I, I had I had that feeling when I went when I moved to when I moved to Boston, I thought I was done. 
And I thought mm. I was going to be like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do this again because it is. It's quite easy to get burned out if you don't have the self like starter energy or fire like i can i can light my own campfire inside me like if you can't do that you're you have to really pep talk yourself up quite a bit because i mentioned earlier there's there's no pat on the back there's no consolation prize there's rarely even a hey sorry kid you didn't get the job it's it's basically silence and, get ghosted. <laughs> and yeah, right. There, there, there's no, there's no way to know, you know, they don't, casting directors aren't going to take the time and they don't have the time to be like, well, here's where you went wrong or here's where you, it's, it's almost like dating in a way because no one's going to tell you why they're not liking you or not. Well, maybe they will. Maybe, maybe more clear people do get that message, but for the most part, or at least in my experience, you're kind of like, what's, what's going on? What's wrong here? I don't know. Like, you know, isn't this just supposed to be something we do? You know, we, we connect, you know, but I think there's a, there's a notion in me that's always been like you work hard. I think from school, I, I attribute this to that. There was this notion where they're taught like work hard and you will succeed. It's like, ah, oh, awesome. I just need to work hard. I think either it changed or somewhere in that sentence, they didn't tell you. It's like, you gotta also have a strategy because there is, there's a lot to be said for working hard. And I, I love, I, love to work that's really all i want to do honestly i sought out youtube and other venues to get more work to be more to be more prominent to not essentially you know be sitting on my ass but also to get more jobs because i didn't want to keep making content just like constantly just like you know i don't <clears throat> i'm not saying like i don't want to make content at all i enjoy it but the the nature of just like I, I mentioned earlier with hustle culture, the nature of just like, oh, I got to turn out something and be relevant and constantly there you start to with, I guess, the delusion, you start to think like, well, if I'm not doing anything, I'm wasting time. So you're like, ah, I got to I got to stay on it. I got to keep this fire burning or it's going to burn out. Um, and to have that freedom or or to have that realization that you can just stop like yes you're not you're obviously not going any further by stopping but sometimes you do need to reassess and think like what where am i going how and maybe more better ideas will come to you in that if you're not trying to just churn out content for a hypothetical audience you can sit and think and like wow maybe this is maybe i got a better idea in there maybe i got something uh, a better way to utilize my time that can be effective in in whatever way i'm measuring yeah, yeah, agree, agree with that a hundred percent. I think that again, I think that it's a there's a veneer to it with the the hustle culture stuff where it's it's the rest of social media where it's like everyone's life apparently is they go on trips all the time right. and that's it. And it's like get out of here. Like no, it's not. Right. <laughs> like I know you and you were mad yesterday because Starbucks got your order wrong. So don't <laughs> tell me that you're only at the beach. You know what I mean? Like right. that's not true. So I, I I think that yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I will say, though, I think that and maybe this, you know, because this is so weird for me to explain my own thinking like this all the time. But I, again, I, I really this is the first conversation we've ever had. We had 
some exchange over email, you know, in arranging the, the recording, but I immediately felt this resonance with you just instantly. And, and I think it's because, and again, this is going to sound self-congratulatory more than I mean it to probably, but I'm really trying to compliment you here. <laughs> but I think if I, I think I'm in the same headspace where it's like, there's so much to be cynical about, right? And you see it all and you can't just close your eyes and be like, no, I don't see it. So it doesn't right. exist. Like, cause that's disingenuous. But at the same time, there is some part of, of that I see in you where like, but that's not what you give into. Like, even if you feel like that's what you're giving into, like, I just watched a YouTube video that you made in March of this year. That's a, how to make a do it yourself reel for actors on a, on a low budget. And like, there's nothing negative about that. There's nothing cynical about that, right? Like a cynical person isn't going to reach out to new aspiring people trying to get in their space, especially if you think they might be competing with you. Right. But that's not really who you, that's not really where your heart's at. You know what I mean? Like you're, despite all of this negativity and cynicism that could be there, somehow you're still pushing past that. And I think it's important to recognize that because a lot of people don't, a lot of people do just say, you know what, fuck that, fuck them. I'm out. And there's, there is no value in that. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I thank you for saying that. I, I, <laughs> I no. I mean, I'm not to like, ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. But like, <laughs> I mean, if I, you know, to just continue of of us pontificating on our own thoughts here. Right. You know, I, there's a, I think there's a, there's a, a fear in, I don't know if it's a fear, actually, I, I can't say that with any certainty, but there's something about generalized human nature that it seems like people don't want to be themselves or expose themselves or be vulnerable. And that makes sense. I mean, who, who would want to be at the same time, for whatever reason, I don't have that same sense. And I'm not saying I'm some magical person. Just, I, I've never really, I've never really wanted to give in to the, I guess the paradigm of what is normal. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. it didn't matter. There was, it didn't seem like there was a paradigm. Maybe it's just my own awareness that there was no paradigm. I, I, you know, I'm sure teenagers were like, oh, you know, I got my chain wallet. You know, there's a paradigm. But <laughs> like, I, I was never really, I never really wanted to, to follow the trend. I, I, you know, I wasn't popular either, but I wasn't like, I, I never let that like notion of like, I have to, I have to do what other people are doing settle in. Like when I was a kid, I, I didn't, I don't even honestly know who was popular in the eighties and nineties musically. Cause I listened to what my parents listened to, which was, uh, you know, Hall and Oates, you know, all the, all the, all the stuff that pretty much fueled my enjoyment of more electronic music, like chill back electronic music as I got older, because mm -hmm. kind of the disco flair that's coming back in a lot of music, Comtrues, for example. But I, I think it's the same way in, in, well, of course it's the same way, but in, in marketing and, and whatever else, there's a, we're only going to give you the information that hits you in the right place. Essentially that, mm. that sets off your whatever dopamine or whatever. Essentially that is to say that, that how to make a real video. I don't know that my intentions were 
purely pure. I mean, I was, you know, thinking as a content creator, I'm going to make some content. But at the same time, I was deliberate in my sense that I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that this is this is going to be easy, that you're going to be able to do this, you know, you know, maybe maybe I'm a good person to do that video because I am so cynical about how it works that it's just like, hey, you know, you can keep doing this. It may not work out, but if you got to do it, you got to do it. Like, that's the thing. If it's in your heart, if it's in your passion, you have to do it. Like, I don't know where having nobody creative, at least in the in the artistic sense in my family, I don't know where that kind of energy or thought came from. Uh but it's always kind of been there that I have to kind of go my own way. Oh yeah, 80s music and I used to wear like Hawaiian shirts as a as a high schooler. Like I was not very I was not trying to be cool in any right. sense. I was trying to be a beach boy, really. But <laughs> yeah, I I think to 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 get I guess to get off like you know, stroking my own ego. Like I I think there's a I, I wish people and, and I hope we do get to a point where people can be more genuine in their content, in, in their anything, in the way they share their lives, whether it be Instagram and traveling all the time. See, there's nothing wrong with sharing a glamorized beach picture, but a lot of times it's the context. It's like, you know, if it's sold as like, uh, you know, oh, you know, I'm always a jet setter and this and that. And it's not, you know, if you are great, you know, sell it. But I feel like there's a there's a notion that we have to keep up or be as cool as the last guy or more cool that, again, it goes back to the we're losing sight of what, again, my opinion, but we're losing sight of what's important. We're losing sight of people, humanity, just like, you know, I've never been a spiritual person, but in this time, I've found a lot of, I guess, benefit in no specific spirituality, but a vague sense of of something more than this because i've always wanted to believe or at least as i've grown and become more cynical i've always wanted to think and i do want to think that there's something more than this but the problem i always run into is when i look at humanity in this consumerist world i'm not going to say mm-hmm. humanity is bad but in this consumerist world we've built or have i i don't feel like we have that that sense of humanity. I feel like we, we drift further away from that sense of community. I, it, I guess it happens as you, you know, you become a village, you go from a village to a city, you lose touch with people in the outskirts and, you know, it grows and grows from there. It becomes harder to, you know, kind of keep this neighborly attitude. I, I, you know, for, for someone who was in business, I always had kind of anti-business mentalities mm-hmm. because it just seemed like, you know, we're, When you, when you're talking to a neighbor or asking a neighbor for help on something on your house, a lot of times that you know that comes for free. And you know, exploitation aside and all this stuff, I'm not gonna go into that. But there was right. there was a much purer sense '90s, early 2000s, where you know, helping neighborly, whatever. In this day and age, it's much harder to find that. And I'm not saying like, hey, let's go back to some Andy Griffith type reality right. where where, you know, we're all just helping our neighbors. But I think I think we've just departed so far from that concept in in so many ways. And just just the just the ability to 
sit and and think about it and look look at it. I think that's what makes aspects of spirituality so important. The idea that you can stop and and reflect and actually, you know, something something my therapist talked to me about is that the he he's a lot more spiritual than I am, but he said, you know, in the in the sense of just kind of being asking the world for answers and you know that sounds like asking the god concept but just in the spiritual sense of just being kind of at peace and at an, a real truly idle state the answers can come to you whether that's some you know mystical cosmic answer coming to you or that's just something within us that arises perhaps it's a combination of both you know a, a unseen wi-fi connection to something beyond yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that entirely. I, you know, I I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Springfield, Missouri, which you've probably never heard of. But I, ha- it's, I think it was on The Simpsons. Oh, you have. The Simpsons. Oh. I think The Simpsons well, talked about Springfield. Briefly, briefly. But I think, yeah, but I think they're like Illinois or they're, they're not. Right. They're, no, Springfield is not Missouri. Right, right, right. No, I just, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. You know, and my you know, my dad actually had business in, in Kansas City, Missouri. So, oh, okay. so not, not the wisest place to have a business, but that's, <laughs> it was, I don't know if it's, I, I don't want to speak ill of it, but I don't, it, I, at the time it was a, it was a very depressed economy. So it was very difficult sure. for, for a, a shopping center as it were. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm, yeah, that, that there's no offense taken there. I'm not on defend Kansas city, nor do I think that was that insulting to Kansas city, but anyway, okay. but the whole point of me bringing it up though, is just that like, it's, you know, it's the Bible belt, right? Like it's the there's legitimately a church every mile, right? I mean, it's constant. And and in my early 20s, like I definitely grew to really reject all of that. And 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 to say reject is, is me trying to be nice. Like I was anti that, right? I would have at that yeah. point in time, I would have said I'm an atheist and that's all insane. And I would say really, really derogatory things about it. Sure. And yeah. I don't feel that way now. Now I'm still not, going to church and I, I don't subscribe to any particular religion or, or pra- spiritual practice or anything either. But I agree with you that there is, there, there's something else, or at least I would, as you said, like to believe that there is something more than, than just what we see. I, I, and this goes back to the whole, like we see the cynicism there. You see that, and it's not just cynicism. You see these negative things like, I don't, and, and it's not, it, again, I'm not trying to pick on Christians at all because it's not them. I, I hear spiritual people say, I ask the universe for X and the universe returns, but the universe gave me X today. And it's usually something that's pretty insignificant in the scale of things, right? right. And it's like, okay, maybe, but I watched the Cannibal Warlords of Liberia on Vice a couple years ago. And. <laughs> I don't believe that anyone is making sure the light changed for me on time today when that place exists. Because, and if it does, that's super messed up that someone cares if I have the light turn green when I needed it to when Liberia exists. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, so I don't know. It's it's hard to reconcile. It's hard to reconcile those things. Dave Chappelle one time was talking about the secret. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like the this idea of manifestation where if you think of things then you, those things, you, you find them. Like you find what you're looking for of course. is kind of the premise of it. And, and I don't think it's entirely illegitimate in some ways, but it definitely kind of tried to paint it as just like, well, if you obsess about something enough, then 
it'll be there for you. And Dave Chappelle was like, really? So is that, are people in Africa starving because, and I don't mean to just pick on Africa over and over sure, again, but sure. whatever. Are people in third world countries starving because they're not imagining roast beef enough? Like, that's crazy, right? right? So I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it, it can be difficult to reconcile. Anyway, we've turned this into a very depressing conversation yeah, now, which I, 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 I apologize. Didn't mean to I apologize. Do. <laughs> no, no, it's my fault. I'm the one, I'm the host. So, Real quick, we'll go back, and I don't mean to keep you for four hours tonight well, either. No, so I, I really appreciate your time. I guess, I, I guess actually, well, here's one question I had for you: is just if you could go back to 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 Raj in, in film school at the beginning and tell him something now, what would that be? Like, what do you? What would you? What insight would you give to your your previous self? That would be hard because. I, you know, I don't know if my current self knows the answer to give my past self at this at this point. Looking <clears throat> where I've analyzed it from where I am now, it seems like staying in in, you know, getting my bachelor's might have been a good idea. Not because a film bachelor's matters, but I think maybe the networking opportunities and the potential whatever of just continuing education in that way would have been better. I'm not the greatest schmoozer type, so I may have still fallen off because that's kind of the way I, way I, you know, where my chips land. But I think that would have been a benefit. And again, only in the sense of now you're, you're part of the system. You know, when you stay in, when you stay in college, when, you know, it's, I think it's very much a, a thing, whether, you know, you're talking about Harvard and, and, you know, fraternities or whatever, these, these groups, I think it doesn't matter. Once you're in something, you're, you're part of something, even if it's, if, even if it's a, you know, the school where basically everybody goes to, because once you go to that community college, everyone winds up going to that university. I think there's still a sense of like, well, we did it together. You know, we're, we're, we were in this thing. We were in this film program or arts program or whatever together. There's a, a sense of communalness that, you know, it's like, oh, you, you, you know, I, I'm working, I'm working at this place. Can I put in a word for you or do you need someone to put in a word for you? I think that's, that's kind of more the benefit of college, probably in, many fields over the you know the physical education you obtain other than that i mean it would just be continue to work on networking like i to to be i guess the most honest i would probably need to go back further uh, i need to take the time machine and go a little bit further back because i think the best the best thing for me most likely would have been to start cultivating relationships a lot sooner friendships mm -hmm. connecting with people like i always had friends i'm not sitting here like oh it was lonely i always right. had friends but i never really understood how to gain friends i couldn't tell you how i became friends with those people it was kind of just like, oh, you know, we globbed together and now we're friends. But there was never a moment where I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that was the moment where we became friends. Like later friends in my life, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was it. Or, you know, even if I don't remember the exact moment, I'm like, ah, we did that together and that's how it happened. But earlier on, I'm like, this is just kind of an ethereal like, oh, and these two people and now now I'm hanging out at somebody's house. Like, you know, it, it didn't it didn't quite click for me that 
this was so much more important than school. I, I put so much emphasis on the education, the, the thing I'm good at. I'm very good at tasks and, and work and I, and I continue to be, but the actual connecting with people and the actual like wanting to be social and not being afraid of being like, oh, maybe this, paper, this person doesn't want me to walk up to them. Like I've always kind of dealt with that in my that kind of self-doubt in my in my past. So I think if there's mm. anything, I don't know how I would, if I just keep punching myself till the self-doubt goes away <laughs> or what, but like- I think that works. Right. <laughs> I, I might just make it worse. I, I just, yeah. I, I But I think that, I, I could see that being a lot, changing a lot or changing uh, trajectory in many ways. Maybe not, you never know. But I, I kind of find that as a more formative turning point, a, a formative branch in the in the Raj universe. No, I think that's actually incredibly insightful. And I, I it's something that I also missed. So I hated school as a kid. Right. I mean, I, of course, graduated high school. But when it was like, hey, you want to go to college? It was like, no, no. Like, I finally made it the 13 years that I had to do to escape this. No, I don't want to go back. But that's because I thought that the only value of college is we're going to teach you things from a book, right? And I didn't have something that I really wanted to learn. I'm not trying to say like higher education is pointless or stupid no, or something, no, but sure. for me, it didn't resonate in any way. And, and, and I didn't have the intuition to understand what you just described, that I think the real value of college – now, certainly, if you want to go – I have a friend that's an electrical engineer – he had to do a lot of math. Yeah. It's very technical and specific, right? Absolutely. If you, there's some jobs if you want to do, you got to go to do those courses. Of course. But for the vast majority, I think the real value is exactly what you just said. It is the relationships. And I actually think that that's maybe true everywhere. Like I, I've been listening to some podcasts with like former military guys. And and I, I was just listening to one the other day and they said the same thing. They're like, you know, I and they're like special forces guys. They're like, I became a special forces guy because I wanted to shoot cool guns and go on cool missions and do cool stuff and whatever. But that's not why ultimately they stick in it and, and fall in love with it and whatever it's, it's relationships, right? Like I think that might be the most key thing, maybe in all of life, no matter what you want to do, and I think that that then speaks back to the point that we were talking about earlier about being authentic and transparent, because if a relationship, a relationship is really hard if it's built on something dishonest, right? So that's why being, being real, <laughs> I just used air quotes, but that like being real is, is actually valuable because it's what allows relationships to, to grow and blossom and turn into something meaningful. And when it's all this, Again, bullshit veneer stuff. It's just really hard to have a real relationship out of that, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so I'll, we'll we'll wrap up here again. I, I really you you talked already about the free free guy, which is a Ryan a movie starring Ryan Reynolds, which is again you you downplayed it a little bit, but that's super cool that you're in that. And I I've never met anyone else in a movie with an A list celebrity like that so that's pretty cool man you're also in done work with my crazy x also done work with deep undercover and i just encourage people to go look at your imdb because again it's not it's 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 not just a couple of things there's a lot of entries there and you have if you there's you can watch a ton of like little short videos that are 
like clips of your work and stuff, and those are entertaining. But that goes a step further on your YouTube channel where you have this wide variety of content. I mean, I mentioned earlier the video you made earlier about how to make a do-it-yourself actor reel for, for up-and-coming actors. You've got stuff about cryptocurrency. You've got stuff about video games. That You've got comedy shorts. But it's not just one one thing but i guess what is the what does the what does that opportunity to make that variety of content mean to you on youtube Hmm, i'm not sure i understand the question i guess what i mean is like do you find that you flourish with the ability to make this wide variety of content like do you enjoy that aspect of your youtube channel that you're making so many different types of content I mean, I would I would say yes. I've never really had a a notion or like a, a fan base or anyone like cracking the whip saying I have to do it a certain way. So I, mm. I guess I guess the notion that it's freeing is a bit I guess a bit taken for granted by me because I've kind of always done you know the the way I've wanted to do. I think more recently I've I've been a little more or hope to be a little more in the like fuck it attitude because. I think there was a while where, you know, we're talking about, you know, doing things a certain way or not, keeping your keeping your mouth shut or not saying something that might be, you know, not not positive. I think there was a way I wanted to have my channel be and I wanted to, to look a certain way. And I realized, well, one, you know, with an audience of, of my size, it's like, does it really matter? It's just like it really needs to just be about me doing the whatever the most pure pursuit it is at that moment because that's that's all i really have the ability to do to my own detriment because i feel like ah you know how am i how am i going to capitalize on this in the way that i feel like i need to if i'm if i can only work when i'm passionate you know why can't i just you know keep squeezing the cow whenever i want but i i have to do it i have to do it the way i do it so yeah i i mean i don't have a a thought of of like this is really fortunate because I, I guess I've mm-hmm. had I've had the 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 luck or the the uh, good fortune to to be able to do it my way. Whether it works or not is completely irrelevant to the artistic process. Yeah, well, and I I mean, and I should have, see I should have had these damn flashcard questions, <laughs> but no, like I, I the the reason I wanted to ask about it, I guess, is just because, and again, it's going to sound like I'm flattering you or I'm trying to be you know butter up you up or something because we're here talking but like it's it it's well made like it's well made content across a variety of genres like the the comedy shorts are like they're funny and it's and it's also it's also obvious i well that's not the right word the the history of, of experience that you have in this space comes through in the videos because that they're they're well done and there's a lot of cool effects happening and you know what i mean like it's not like if i made a video it would be what you're seeing right now it's just me in front of a camera (laughs) speaking i don't even know how to do a green screen or something but it's not just that like like one that you you referred to in the diy real thing was the the fairy godfather Mm. that's a hilarious premise like (laughs) like that's just that's just funny and it's it's done in a way that I don't know. Like it, it, it doesn't feel amateur, I guess is maybe the easiest way to say it. So I think it's really cool, man. I I really encourage people to go and check out your IMDB, check out your work there. And then also go to your YouTube channel because 
there's a variety of things there. It's not just it's not just gaming videos or something, right? But it's also not just comedies. It's also not just tutorials for how to be an actor, right? It's it's a lot of different stuff. Um, in the show notes, you know, I'll link your YouTube. I can link social media. Is there somewhere that you like to direct people to though to connect with you? Or to, to find you? I mean, those are pretty much the best ways. I mean, you can you can Google me. You can go to my website, rajjawa.com. But they really just link to the other places. I, I pretty much undid my website to just be a simple one-pager. Just because just it was easier. And I don't know. It, it just felt right. I wanted to showcase a little more of the indie artsy side rather than continuing to try to do what I'm supposed to do as an actor trying to make it, you know, like, oh, have your reels there and have your resume there. And like, I'm not saying those are bad things to have. You should, you know, you want to be serious about this industry, do those things. I just stopped wanting to play the game as much. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I'll make sure and have those links. Raj, I got to tell you, I honestly, I, <laughs> I, I meant to talk just about your work a lot more and your thoughts about your work yeah. a lot more than I did. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to, to just, go on whatever weird thought journey we just went on for as long as we did. But yeah, man, really appreciate your time. This has been a real pleasure. That's my pleasure. I really appreciate you having me Walker. Thank you.
right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Raj Jawa for stopping by. I really, really love that conversation. Please go to the show notes and check out his links for social media and YouTube. Uh, Raj is a great guy and really does make some awesome content, so I hope you'll check it out. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show, and of course, thank you, listener, for listening. I'd also encourage you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters. I also host the Crowfall Pod, which is about the newly released MMO Crowfall. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks and the Crowfall Podcast on any podcast app. Again, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.